All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Thursday, November 10th edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We're streaming live on YouTube Twitter, as well as, of course, dailyfaceoff.com. He's former NHL player and current Chicago Blackhawks television analyst, Colby Cohen. Colby, how you doing, man? It's always good, Frank. It feels like it's been a little bit, but it's uh, it's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, love to have you back. And let's pick up where we left off last time you were on the show. And let's talk <laughs> about the Vancouver Canucks because it's the same mess. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And let's start with Where do the Canucks go next? Because we started out earlier this week with Bruce Boudreaux essentially being run over by uh, Canucks president of Hockey Ops, Jim Rutherford, 12 times in a 15-minute interview. (laughs) Not by name, of course, but certainly singling out the coach. Bruce Boudreaux doesn't really know how to respond and says essentially that this team will band together to uh, to fight against the odds. and, And it almost seemed like it would be a rallying cry for this team. They win a game, and then, of course, they lose and get blown out by the Montreal Canadiens. They show a little fight in the third period on Wednesday night, but certainly not enough when you spot the Canadiens a multi-goal lead in their own building. How does this work out from a player perspective when things are this far off the rails? Well, Frank, you go to the beginning of the season when the head coach was looking for an extension and didn't get it. So you've got a locker room of players who are knowing that this really isn't the coach and he's not going to be here long term. And a lot of their players are signed long term. So that just creates an uncomfortable dynamic in the dressing room. And 
you know, you really start to take sides in these types of things. And, you know, by all accounts, the players like Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux. They do. He's a likable guy. He's likable to the media. He's likable to his players. But when you look at the way that they're losing these hockey games, there is plenty of blame to go around as a player. And, you know, you look at the lineup and you look at the decor and there's a lot of problems. And that sits at the higher level, at, at the general manager level, at the president of hockey ops level. But then you look at the turnovers and you look at the goals that were scored against them last night, Frank. I mean, look, the fifth goal is a microcosm for the problems for the Vancouver Canucks. They turned the puck over a foot inside their blue line, and then Tyler Myers turned the puck over in the corner, and then Kirby Doc was the only guy in the entire video frame and gets to walk down Broadway for, for a, the fifth goal of the game. I mean, it's just problematic, and, and that's a microcosm for the way that this team plays with zero structure. Yeah, I wanted to take a quick listen to Bruce Boudreaux because he just seemed absolutely exasperated after the game last night. If I could bottle it up and find out, I would, uh, you know, <laughs> I'd be a rich man. I mean, they did the same thing uh, last year. No matter how you you push it, and you just never know which period is going to be good and which period is going to be bad. But, I mean, for this team to go anywhere, they've got to be consistent. And they haven't had a game yet where we've allowed less than three goals except for the Pittsburgh game. So uh, unless you start defending, I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's not going to happen. So quickly, Colby, to wrap this up, he said, unless you start defending. Now, was that his way of saying that he agrees with the president of Hockey Ops and that their structure needs to be different? Or was that his way of saying that this team doesn't have the pieces to play defensively? Well, look... I can't get inside his mind, Frank, but when I look at their decor, it's the latter. This is a not this is not a well-constructed defensive core. I mean, you you just are putting Thatcher Demko under way too much pressure every single night. Um, you're taking a penalty and I mean it's just there's just a lot of blame to go around, but their decor is full of guys who probably are fives and sixes. And Quinn Hughes doesn't really have a partner who can, you know, be his chart, you know, his Lindgren to, you know, Adam Fox in New York. Um, you've got guys who are probably a little past their expired date playing the minutes they are. And this is no disrespect to these players. They are NHL players, but they are being put in positions to fail based on the personnel that they have. Yeah, no shortage of things to read between the lines either. But wanted to give a love, a little bit of love to the Montreal Canadiens who have certainly exceeded expectations to this point this season. And I think perhaps what's most exciting, aside from watching someone like Kirby Doc take off a bit and you see the game that he had on Wednesday night, a two-goal effort and someone that really seems like he's beginning to put things together, it's not just Doc, but it's also the pieces that they might be able to trade at a certain point this season as the year goes on. Maybe you can get a Mike Hoffman going a little bit. Maybe you can get a Jonathan Juran going a little bit and get some decent return at some point uh, in addition to the other pieces that this team might shuffle the deck. I think it's probably fair to say that the Canadians, um, in addition to exceeding expectations with a 7-6-1 and one mark, are probably coming together a little bit more quickly than some might have hoped. And a big reason for that, yes, Cole Caulfield north of a point per game, eight goals in 14 games, but you had a front row seat to Kirby Doc last year in Chicago. And a lot of people were saying when he left, this guy is never going to be a 50-point scorer in the NHL. He's certainly on track to be more than that. 
Well, look, I'm happy to see Kirby score two goals last night, but I just don't want to get ahead of ourselves because he's only got four goals on the year. Two of them came in one game. Uh, his career high is nine. You know, we're talking about a guy who scored 23 goals in 160 plus NHL games. So uh, I think looking at him last year and, and getting an opportunity to watch him, I see a guy with a lot of tools. I really do. He's big. He's got hands. Um, he can skate. He really does have all the raw tools. Now, I think under a guy like Marty St. Louis, that's going to excite him. That's going to be a guy that he looks to and really trusts and believes in what he has to say. And um, I, I really think that we're going to have to wait two years to really evaluate this trade, to really decide uh, was this a good move for Montreal? Was this a, a, a bad move for the Chicago Blackhawks? And, um, you know, I, I think th that he's the kind of player that needs to be made a little uncomfortable at times and needs a little bit of pressure put on him. And also, they're playing him on the wing. He was a center here in Chicago. He had Jonathan Taves up in front of him, who, you know, is resurgent this season. But, you know, ultimately, I'm wait and see with Kirby. I think he's got the tools, Frank, to become a 50-point guy. But I think ultimately that's going to fall on him and sort of how far he's willing to push it. It probably also depends, too, when you size up the overall trade, eventually what Frank Nazar ends up becoming the first-round pick, 13th overall for the Chicago Blackhawks. And we're not going to know that for, I don't know, five years probably. So uh, this is going to be, the jury's going to be out on that for a while. But curious to see Kirby Doc continue to progress in Montreal. I think it's a bright future in Montreal when you add in someone like Slavkovsky and some others. I think they've got the forward part of the equation figured out a bit, but really not so much uh, the back end part of it that they're going to need a lot of help and a lot of work in addition to maybe the goalie as well. So Still a lot of pieces for Kent Hughes to assemble in Montreal. Let's talk about those Chicago Blackhawks because they're another team that has sort of vastly exceeded expectations to this point. Everyone was kind of thinking it'd be a two-man race, essentially, between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Arizona Coyotes. And the attempt to, uh, to get that number one overall pick and Connor Bedard, but... The Blackhawks are 500 through their first 12 games of the season, and they don't rank really near anywhere close to the bottom in some of these categories that you see. Yes, there may be some inflated shooting percentages for some guys that have been off to hot starts, but what do you see from the Hawks? And what, if you're Kyle Davidson, what is the most uh, impressive or intriguing part of the early season? Well, the first, it's the, the easiest is the last question you just asked, and it's what's been the most impressive. It's been Luke Richardson as a head coach. Um, he came to training camp day one with a plan, and I watched that plan unfold every day in training camp, and he had structure, structure, and more structure. They worked on the defensive zone. They worked on the neutral zone, They were and they split it up throughout camp, and they would work on it for 45 minutes, not long sessions, not a lot of whiteboard time. And that's what he focused on. He focused on structure because he realized that the roster was not a skilled enough roster to go out and get into horse races with teams. And so, you know, Frank, it's just, it's impressive. Like I, I get to be between the benches and I get to watch this from five, eight feet away from me. And the way these players are responding to Luke's structure and Luke's coaching messages, they're playing hard, they're playing physical. 
Uh, and and their special teams, they've got a, a boatload of shorthanded goals. Their power play has been as high as fifth or sixth in the league. It's been in a little bit of a lull. So they've dropped down, I believe, to, you know, middle of the pack, 12th, something like that, 13th. I think we have it somewhere here on the screen. Um, but but ultimately, this is a physical hockey team that is playing in your face. And, and they're playing like Luke Richardson was as a player. Well, the structure has certainly been impressive, but I, I mentioned to you what's the most intriguing part. And when you look at this group yeah. of guys that are on the scoring list, obviously Dickinson has seen a resurgence in terms of his confidence. I don't know with that cap hit that he's going anywhere, but Max Domi, Sam Lafferty, he's got some of those shorthanded goals. Athanasiu has been impressive and Radish. If you were someone that's looking at this Blackhawks team to pluck one of those guys toward the trade deadline on March 3rd, and they may all go, which guy would it be? Oh, man, that's a really tough question. I think Max Domi probably because I do think there's still people that see that first-round talent in Max Domi, and now he's getting an opportunity to play on a line with Patrick Kane and Athens CU, and that line has slowly gotten better. They struggled with chemistry early, uh, but they've slowly gotten better. Now, here's the sleeper of the group, Sam Lafferty. If he continues to play the way that he has played through this first you know, month of the season, month and a half, uh, this is a guy who's going to fetch – you something decent because he's very valuable in the bottom six. And you look at teams that win the Stanley cup finals and they usually have a really quality third and fourth line. They usually do the fourth line. We've talked about it year after year in those long seven game Stanley cup finals. And I, I think he's going to have a lot of value come trade deadline, Sam Lafferty. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's already been interest beginning to percolate in Sam Lafferty from around the league. Colby, last time we were on, we were talking uh, season preview, and a lot of it was, where do we project some of these teams to finish? I had my 32 bold predictions, 32 opportunities for me to look like a jackass, and really no shortage of, uh, of some of those uh, looking pretty awful, no shortage of them uh, looking pretty good. One of them was Bruce Boudreaux would be the first coach fired, not to brag, but uh, putting some pieces together there. What did you, when you looked at this season from you know only a month in, but when you looked at it from the start, what do you think you got wrong to this point? What would you like to take back and reverse? All of them. But, I mean, I, I couldn't have been more wrong about this season. I, I really – there's so many things from the Flyers to the Blackhawks to – I mean, really, there, you could just go down the list. But the one that I, I think I have to put my foot in my mouth the hardest on is the Ottawa Senators. I said that they would be – the best of the group that you asked me about, which was the Detroit Red Wings, the Buffalo Sabres, and the Ottawa Senators. And I thought based on the Alex DeBrinkett move, the closure room move, um, Cam Talbot in goal, and he's been injured, so he hasn't been playing this whole time. And I thought when you combine that with, you know, the coach that the guys really like playing for, uh, now there's going to be potentially a new owner. Is it going to be Ryan Reynolds? That was a, a cool scene at, at the game the other day. Uh, not to mention Gary Bettman using the word sugar mommy or sugar daddy, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but I, I was wrong about the Senators. They have not been very good. Um, you know, Debrinket, I think, only has two goals so far this season. But, hey, happy to see Claude Giroux scoring goals in his hometown. That's a guy who I'll always root for. I think that he um, went through some some unfair criticism throughout his time in Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree with you, and I still think there's more for the Sens to give. Um and I think you see some of the changes that they're beginning to make, and we'll talk about it a little later, but Nikita Zaitsev on waivers 
they need to improve their defensive play. There's no doubt about that. For me, the biggest mistake that I made, I think I made at least in terms of the bold predictions, I had the points bet stone cold mortal lock, uh, the over 95 and a half points for the St. Louis Blues. I was thinking this is a 109 point team last year. <laughs> I underestimated totally the pieces that they picked off of their roster. They really missed David Perron, not just playing with Ryan O'Reilly and the chemistry, but also I think Billy Huso in net. And so you add those things up and I certainly didn't see an eight game losing streak coming for the St. Louis Blues. They need 89 points in their last 71 games in order to get to 95 and a half or over. I'm, I'm not seeing it. They only have six so far in 11 games after starting three and zero, which is mind boggling to think about. But that one for me is probably going to come back to haunt me. I thought there was no way the blues would be 14 points or more worse than last season. And certainly seems like that's the case early on. Look, Frank, I think there's so many different areas. The St. Louis Blues, after watching them from between the benches in preseason play against the Chicago Blackhawks, I thought the same thing. Even with half their roster, I said, this looks like a good hockey team to me. They looked better than Minnesota. They looked like they were an NHL team versus an American League team at times when they played against the Chicago Blackhawks in, in, um, in the preseason. And so... That's that's the big the biggest shocker to me. Probably that of the Flyers. I mean, but I'm I'm not going to fall into this pattern that I know that I have fallen into in my life, where I'm waiting for the Flyers to fall off or thinking the St. Louis Blues are going to get it together. Thanksgiving is two weeks away, and we know how important that date is. So I think this is part of what we're seeing is is what we're going to get this season. They usually say the first two weeks you can throw out the window by week three and beyond take it to the bank. You probably are what you are. Toughest sport, I think, in the world to predict. Let's get to the number crunch this week with Cam Sharon. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Pleased to welcome back to Daily Faceoff Live, Cam Sharon, former Toronto Maple Leafs analyst for this week's edition of the next, uh, this is not the next wave, I was going to call it the next wave, this is the number crunch delivered by DoorDash. Thanks so much, Cam, for joining us. Wanted to ask about the Edmonton Oilers, and they were, prior to their win against the Tampa Bay Lightning earlier this week, I think the temperature was ratcheting up a little bit. They're a team that has relied so much in years past on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and it seemed like their secondary scoring had really struggled to this point in the season. Does that still hold true that this team is one of the best teams in the world when McDavid and Dryside are on the ice and potentially one of the worst in the league when they're on the bench? It was true in previous years, Frank, but I don't really think it has been this year. And I think one of the reasons is that Ryan McLeod has really stepped into being kind of that, that third-line talent that, that Edmonton hasn't had in the Connor McDavid era. And he and Jesse Pugliarvi are fantastic together. Um, uh, so yeah, like when the team when the team doesn't have Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid on the ice, they're at fifty four percent Corsi this year compared to forty eight percent over the last three. This chart here looks at uh, basically I've totaled up every player that's seventh on the team or or higher in terms of time time and ice per game. So we're looking at bottom six uh, groups. And we're seeing that Edmonton is you know, seventh best in the league in terms of bottom six group, in terms of raw Corsi four percentage. So they're not giving up a lot of shots uh, when they're on the ice or when the, when the bottom six is on the ice. They're not scoring as much as they used to in the past. And I think that that's going to come. Uh, McLeod and Fogel and Pugliarvi line has been kind of beset by percentages. I think one problem we're, that we're going to see is we're going we're gonna to have to see how Ryan McLeod fares without uh, Pugliarvi, now that Pugliarvi looks like he's going to rejoin the McDavid line with uh, the Kane injury. But, you know, I, I really like Ryan McLeod. I think he's a, I think he's a fantastic player. He's got speed. He's got skill. Uh, he does a lot of things right in all three zones of the ice. And he's a player that can really, uh, that can really move the needle, especially against lower opposition. And the fact that he's kind of broken out and become an everyday player, I think, should, you know, that's going to, that's going to help Edmonton be a much better team without McDavid or Dreisaitl on the ice. Well, Cam, I'm, I'm going to preface this question a little bit with, I, I'm somebody who believes in patience when a player gets traded, yeah. having gone through that myself and having, you know, known what that is like to go to a new place where your whole routine changes, your whole life can change. So when we look at Jonathan Huberdeau, you know, he's off to a sluggish start in Calgary. I don't think that's a a, a, um, a secret to anyone. He's moved around. He's played a little with Lindholm. He's played a little bit with Kadri. What have you seen from him in his start in Calgary? And, and where do you think that he fits best within that Calgary Flames, Daryl Sutter lineup? That's a tough question because I don't think any of the combinations that he's been with have looked really good so to speak, uh, it's, if something looks a little off and, uh, you know, I, I was with the Leafs for so many years and Huberto was a division rival and we saw him all the time and we watched their games and we scouted them. And there was, you know, he's one of the best playmakers in the, he's one of the best playmakers in the game. And I have I don't know if I've really seen that yet with Calgary, but part of the problem is that Calgary, while they're getting a lot of shots, and I think they're getting quite a few scoring chances. They're just not finishing on them. So it's really it's really uh, making it difficult to judge just how good they are offensively. So this is a five-on-five five shooting percentage for Flames forwards. I'm comparing this season to their previous years. And we just see this 
you know, this huge dip, but but for so many skilled players, like guys like Huberto, who doesn't doesn't have a single five on five goal this year. Dylan Dubé, who shot over ten percent last year, doesn't have a five on five goal. Milan Lucic, no five on five goals. Really, the only guys that are shooting more than expect, better than much better than expected, are are Brett Ritchie and Mikhail Backlund, way at the bottom of the lineup. You know, Backlund's had a fantastic season. I don't know if you can put Huberto with him because it's kind of two different uh, two different styles. And, you know, I, I actually, uh, I know Hiberto's out right now. I Last I saw it was day-to-day. Do you have, like, do you know, do you know whether he's going to come back at, uh, you know, for tonight? Or... It, it actually might be a few days, Cam. He, yeah. He's, I think he's getting close, but there hasn't been any yeah. indication yet as to exactly how long he's going to be out. But I wanted to ask you, too, about mm-hmm. Mangiapane and his start. 35 goals last year and only has two to this point in the season. And you look at their depth scoring, what does this chart tell you about Manjapani? And is it purely just luck and shooting percentage right now that he's off to a slow start? It's hard to say. And I think that part of with Manjapani is, is his shooting percentage was so high last year that it probably gave people some, some odd expectations this season. And that was kind of true with the Flames as a whole last year, too. Even the guys that they gave up in uh, Goudreau and uh, Kachuk. They were among the the league leaders in on ice five on five shooting percentage. I still think this team does have the weapons down the middle. Like there's nothing about Mangiapane's game that I'm watching where I'm thinking, oh, you're not getting to the dirty areas. Oh, you're not getting good shots off. Uh, sorry, but it's there's a lot. Like it's it's difficult to judge. Uh, you know, two weeks into the season or three weeks into the season, just when 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 teams are struggling like this because you you never really quite know what the percentage is and what it's going to look like when everything turns so you kind of need to be a little bit patient and i think the thing with the flames is that you have to keep in mind and we've seen this movie before so many times you talk about hockey being hard to predict but sometimes we see a team that's top 10 in shots rate top 10 in expected goals rate but they're bottom 10 in shooting percentage and you know they're they're under 501 goal games in regulation like the you know we've seen this movie before and these teams tend to tend to improve throughout the year and I don't have too much concern for the Flames especially with how good they started it hasn't looked great lately but also they've had a very strong strength of schedule and they've had to play the Devils twice in a week now. Yeah, they they did and the Devils have been rolling. Yeah. Cam, I wanted to ask yeah. you you watch the Canucks very closely. Um Bruce Boudreaux has been under fire. Uh, Jim Rutherford certainly hasn't helped. He hasn't been the fire extinguisher. He's only uh, increased the size of the Flames. But when you look at it for Vancouver, is it more system or is it more personnel? So, I'm just going to take my analyst hat off and put on my my Vancouverite hat. Uh, this whole thing <laughs> is is a mess. <laughs> when Jimmy Rutherford went on the radio a couple days ago and basically called out Bruce Boudreaux, I I was wondering what's his end game? What's he trying to do here? Who's he trying to talk to uh, about this? I, you know, there's a lot wrong with the Canucks, and I think it's mostly a personnel thing. Ultimately, Rutherford is the is the guy that that had the okay on the roster and, and stamped it, you know, the, he had, he had some tough, he had some, you know, he was put in a tough situation with Jim Benning's, uh, uh, some of his more questionable moves, but ultimately he decided to give uh, Ilya Mikheyev a four-year deal and to re-sign JT Miller. And those are two players that I don't think move the needle all that much on f- at five on five. The team really has so few playmakers. They have like, I think Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes are really the only guys on this team that can really move the needle at five on five and force plays to the other end of the ice. So they've kind of, watching them, they've actually kind of hung on a lot this year. I thought that last game's, uh, their last game in Montreal was actually okay for them. 
but they're just not playing well enough. They're not playing consistently enough. It's just a bad roster and that ha that's had to rely on its goalie for so many years. And now the goalie's looked human. He's not been bad. He's been kind of average. Last night aside, I thought he was bad. So, you know, it's kind of both. I think the personnel's a big problem, but I certainly don't think Bruce Boudreaux's at fault. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch all this unfold. I don't know how many other directions it could go in other than making a coaching change, given what's been out there. And if you're going to continue to allow and spot teams like the Montreal Canadiens four goals to start a game. Thank you to Cam Sharon for the number crunch. Fantastic insight and analysis. This segment has been brought to you by DoorDash. You see the promo code there at the bottom of your screen. Game day 25 gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Thanks, Cam. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. All right, Cole, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Two expensive defensemen on waivers in the last 24 hours. Nikita Zaitsev in Ottawa, Mike Riley in Boston. Would you be making a claim on either one of those two guys today? Probably not um, because of the, the price tag that comes along with both of these players. Now, I do think there's a market for these guys, Frank, but I think this is probably a trade that has to happen. There might have to be some salary retained. Uh, you might have to find one of these teams that are willing to take certain contracts for assets. You know, we, we know teams that have been open for business. We just heard Jim Rutherford recently say he's open for business. So, you know, I think there's teams out there that do have some flexibility that are looking for assets. And I think those are guys that could potentially be in, in deals a part of that. But I will say this, Frank, I'm more familiar with Riley. I see him play a little bit more. Uh, I do watch Boston quite often. And I, I still think he has some game. I really do. Uh, you know, I know his defensive coach, Kevin Dean, uh, from the Bruins for the last couple of seasons is here now in Chicago. Uh, so I've had an opportunity to chat with him a little bit at times about him. And, and I do think that uh, the right coach and, and the right situation, I, I think there's, there's still some game left for, for Mike Riley in, in order to be an impact player. Mike Riley, one more season beyond this one at $3 million. Nikita Zaitsev, one more year beyond this one at 4.5. Probably a big reason why the term on the contract, I doubt either guy will be claimed today. Uh, let's get to our Daily Faceoff Points Pet Daily Bet segment. Tyler, you're on a heater. Yes, 6-1 and one in the last two days. Frank, feels good to finally uh, be nailing some of these picks here. The shot props are treating me well, so I got one of those tonight. I'm also picking two sides, so let's dig into it. Courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada, starting with the Edmonton Oilers taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. The Canes played last night in Florida, so second of back-to-backs. No Freddie Anderson either, so they're expected to, to go with Pyotr Kochev between the pipes. Edmonton just beat Tampa Bay the other day. Now they've had a day off. I know Evander Kane is out for the Oilers, but this is a McDavid Drysaddle team still, and I like Edmonton as plus 125 road dog side. I also like taking New Jersey on the puck line this evening against Ottawa. Yeah, the Sens. Couldn't come through against Vancouver the other day. They are really struggling right now. The Devils, they're the opposite of struggling. They look like they can't be beaten. And if you're going to give me plus 135 on them to win by two or more, I'm going to take it every day of the week. Finally, Rasmus Dahlin and his shot prop tonight. Been crushing this as of late. He's hit it in five straight. Hit it in nine of 12 so far this season. He's averaging over four shots per game. You're giving me over two and a half. I'm taking it every day. Those are my three plays, Frank. Love it, Tyler. That brings us to garbage time. And Colby, I would normally cede the floor to you to get 
your pick on what's going on in the hockey world, but I wanted to give a little love to Trevor Zegers. There you go, the BU sweatshirt. I mean, look at this goal, <laughs> the Michigan that was the non-goal. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is the best non-goal highlight that you'll ever see in the NHL. And, you know, shame on Dmitry Kulikov for being offside. I think he should have to sit a game as a healthy scratch for that type of, uh, that type of uh, play at the blue line. Do you think about just nullifying this beauty this 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 should be a statue somewhere i love how crisp how clean this is the cleanest michigan that we might ever see it's a shame that it didn't count and i will say this too it is a message to john tortorella who was so critical of zegris <laughs> and that play last year look the game, name of the game is scoring goals i don't care how you do it get the puck in the net and if you can do it as efficiently as trevor zegris well then man you've got a spot on my team Full speed, Frank. Uh, that's all. That's all I have to add to that because it's just so beautifully put. But he's doing it at full speed. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely mind-blowing. That'll do it for today's edition of Daily Face-Off Live. Thanks to Cam Sharon, Colby Cohen, Tyler Uremchuk, as well as our head of production, Alex Allard. We'll be back 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us on Friday. Until then, have a great day, everyone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.